Welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. I'm Jacob Barr, and I'm here with Stephen Thin, and we're going to be talking about stories, people's stories of vulnerability and authenticity, people who are sharing their brokenness in order to help show how they found healing and then provide encouragement for others to do the same. So Stephen Thin, I am so excited to have you on here and to hear some of your ideas and thoughts in the pro-life world. Would you introduce yourself as if you were talking to a small group of executive directors and uh, pro-life friends? Sure, I'd love to. My name is Stephen Thin Holland. I'm a worship leader, singer, songwriter, author, speaker, national pro-life speaker, and the founder of Broken Not Dead Ministries. Awesome. And so... So, so tell us, like, what does that mean to be, so, so it sounds like you're um, helping people raise money and funds at different events as like they're, as the speaker who's attracting, you know, helping attract uh, people to attend. Is that what that looks like? Yeah, well, I, it's a blessing. I get to share my story. Honestly, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I never thought I'd be doing this, you know, with my life. Uh, I was a youth pastor and a worship leader for a lot of years, uh, kind of in the church world. And I was pro-life, but I didn't realize that my story mattered uh, in, you know, in the pro-life movement. So uh, the doors that guys opened and opened up uh, recently over the last uh, four years or so, um, I've actually been keynote speakers for a lot of pregnancy center uh, fundraising banquets, uh, galas. Um, it's, it's been, I think I had 27 last year and I've got 30, a little over 30 booked this year. Um, so it's, it's been a blessing, uh, really to, to show up, share my story and, you know, that, which is beautiful, but the icing on the cake is I get to raise a bunch of money for, uh, organizations that I believe in and, and literally are fighting on the front lines for life. And, uh, it's an honor to be a part of it. Awesome. Um, so one, some of the things that we like to do on this podcast is one, we like to, um, highlight some of God's fingerprints. So mm -hmm. as you reflect, have you, as you have, as you have reflected on your story, where have you seen God's fingerprints in your pro-life story? Wow. Uh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I think God's fingerprints, handprints, uh, hugs around me have been, have been evident through my whole life. You know, as I think, think back, I, I mean, I had a, I had a mentally challenged mother that was gang raped by five men. Um, she was in a mental institution, you know, literally everyone in her life was pressuring her to abort me, but God, right. Uh, but God had a bigger plan. She literally carried me homeless, fought for me, uh, chose life for me. Um, and you know, when I think back to that, you know, it's, as I've gotten older in life, I'm 40 years old and, you know, for, most of society, they would look at my life and say, there's no way that, that this guy should be here. Um, you know, even on the, in the pro-choice side of things, like statistically, you know, I should have been one that, um, you know, in their minds could be justified to, to end my life. But God, you know, had, had a plan for me. And, uh, and I see it, but even outside of that, like my mom choosing life for me, and there's a 16 year old boy that actually found her behind this grocery store she was living in a box and God brought him by that day right to to find her there nine months pregnant you know got us to their home they cared for us um 
you know, and then that same 16-year-old boy, a week later, I was on the same bottle of formula I left the hospital with on death's doorstep, and he loaded us up and took us to human services to save my life, yet God again, right, intervening. He, I mean, the, the fact that a 16-year-old boy even would think of that, you know, um, and then, then I had an adopted family. They, they, were, they were my foster family at seven days old that squeezed milk into my mouth and loved on me and cared for me and then adopted me at age two. Um, you know, I, I, again, all God, in my opinion, um, you know, he orchestrated all these things. So I could keep going, but, you know, I, I, wanna, yeah. I want you to well, ask some questions. <laughs> well, that's a really rich answer. Like that is, it's got so much, it just, it speaks to, you know, like, like um, you know, when, when, the, when the opposition or when the, you know, the abortion promoting arguments come out saying, you know, in case of rape, you know, abortion needs to be made available. And your life is a shining example of why, while life needs to be, you know, the, and it needs to be brought to the forefront versus the um, just, you know, the, you know, they always promote like the hardships of life as being a reason to, to snuff out life. Right. Um, how do, what are your, what is your response when someone, you know, when they, when you hear that common, that, you know, that, um, that those arguments for, you know, abortion in the case of rape, like what, is, how do you, what, how do you look at that situation? Um, I'm thankful I'm here, uh, that somebody saw value and worth in my life and, and that somebody actually happens to be, you know, at the time was an 18 year old on the outside, but mentally she was only an 11 year old child. You know, that that's even at 46, when I actually found my birth mom, she was still an 11 year old mentally. So to, you know, I, when I get a chance to, to speak, you know, my heart is if, if an 11 year old child, the mental capacity of an 11 year old child saw the value of life, mm. kind of like, what's our excuse, <laughs> you know? Um, but I think that, um, you know, people ask me a lot, like, you know, how do you battle this? How do you fight this? And I think my response is I have to continue to share my story. You know, like the uniqueness of me is I have a story to share, um, you know, coming from where I came from and, um, you know, how I got brought into the world. And really, you know, for somebody to look at me and say, well, you know, your circ the circumstances that you were brought into this world devalues your life. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I have purpose, brother. You know what I'm saying? Like, my, my wife of 15 years that I love, my three beautiful girls, Isabella, Eliana, and Cadence, like, they're, you know, they have a dad. <laughs> and they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my hero, you know, my mom fighting for my life and seeing value and worth in me despite the circumstances. Right. And I, and I think, honestly, I think that's, um, I, I'm trying not to sound conceited. I, I don't think it'll come off that way, but I just for people to hear my heart, like that's part of my purpose on this planet that I believe right now, right. That I, that's how strongly I feel about my testimony. And, you know, we say for such a time as this, you know, I have to share my story, you know, because people have to understand that, you know, I'm nobody special. I mean, I'm a child of God and he's created me for a purpose, but I'm supposed to be here for this moment, you know, to be a voice. And I'm thankful I have one. <laughs> yeah. Well, that in, in your voice is one that is so important because so many, well, so many people in similar situations 
their voice didn't get to be heard. And so your voice is needed to be to be heard a thousand times more than the typical person's voice because people in you know in this situation, you know, if if if, if you know, with so many people using this as a reason for for killing or for abortion, your voice is you know needs to speak loud in order to for people to hear it because a lot of people didn't make it you know through you know abortion was the you know with abortion being so you know used in so many different scenarios. So, have you heard? Uh, how, how would you describe what you've heard from God, whether it be through prayer or through God's word? When it comes to the value of your of your life or people you know who have gone through what you've gone through like what how would you describe what you've heard from god um when it comes to yeah the value of your life and others lives well I, honestly i think the best way to answer that is one of the reasons that i keep going and keep sharing not only what i mentioned before you know but i've seen how uh being vulnerable like being uh, obedient to what God's called me to do, how that's impacted other people's lives. I, I you know, I kind of live by these three E's. Like when I share my story, no matter what setting, because I don't just speak just in pro-life settings. You know, I do a lot of church ministry. Uh, I'm getting ready to go to a camp in Kentucky to lead worship for middle schoolers next week, you know, and it, but every opportunity, whether it's through song, like songs, very important to me. I'm a songwriter. So I've written 20 songs, recorded those. And I've had people like, man, you know, I've been battling cancer and your songs have like, it's been my battle cry. I listen to you every day, you know, like those songs wouldn't be there if it wasn't for me having life, you know, and, um, I think about just really what I'm trying to say is how my story has impacted other people. You know, like I don't lead worship because I think I'm an amazing singer and all these things. I lead worship and continue to do it because I've seen how being faithful to lead worship can impact and draw people into the person of Christ. And it's the same thing with my testimony, right? Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies. And I've seen how me being faithful and obedient to share mine has allowed other people to overcome. And I was going to mention the three E's and I fell off, but to educate, to empower, and to encourage, right? I think all three of those things happen in me, you know, being faithful again to share my story. And, um, and I think that's why I kind of keep going. I mean, that, that gives me value, right? Like I'm valuable, hopefully to somebody. If it, if it can add value, add education, add empowerment, encourage one person, just one, it's worth it. And even though I get to go and raise money for these beautiful life affirming and saving organizations, I think my favorite part is I have, I've authored a book, you know, and I have a book table a lot of times set up at those events and I'll have people come up to me and I'm there two hours sometimes after an event and guess what's happening? Ministry's happening you know, somebody's been impacted by something I said, and I would have never thought, you know, I'm here to raise money for an organization, but all of a sudden this person's found worth, found healing, you know, they're struggling with, because a lot of mine was like, I'm asking God, why? God, why did this have to happen to me? Why am I the wrong color growing up in a white home in the South, you know? <laughs> um, and just, it's relatable, you know, and it, it never ceases to amaze me how God can just be faithful to use our stories, you know? So. Wow. Hmm. How would you compare working with pregnancy clinics to working with churches? Like, 
um, when it comes to using the same, you know, gifts and talents, you know, how do, how does, how do they get applied to one versus the other? And, you know, what are the, what, are, what, what areas do you see that are the, that are the same or common between those two, you know, pregnancy clinics and churches? And then what do you see that might be different? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think the same, obviously, a lot of organizations, you know, in the pro-life world I'm working with are, you know, most of them are faith-based. Um, so obviously that common denominator, common denominator is always Jesus, right? So if we can just stay there, we're good, right? But yeah, I actually, think... Com combinator sounds like a pretty fun word. I like that. We should, maybe we should, uh, I don't know, uh, write a book coin or something. Uh, yes, exactly. Coin <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, just, I think, um, you know, with church world, you know, it's always that, it's that taboo. Is that the right word to use? Uh, you know, like abortion, like, man, you know, like, I don't mind for you sharing your story, like your testimony, but we don't need to go too political, you know, uh, like yeah. kind of having those guardrails, which I'm like, you know, and I think that's kind of our battle that, you know, man, the church has got to step up, <laughs> you know, that this, this is more than just a story, you know, like it, like the church needs to, and I love the church. There's beauty in the church, but there's yeah. also flaws and brokenness in the church. And, um, you know, I think if we can't stand for life, man, what can we stand for? You know? Um, so I think that's, you know, the, the, again, the, the combinator, the, the common denominator is, uh, <laughs> is Jesus. Right. And I mean, that's the true yeah. source of hope like that's, and I, and, and I, I'm so encouraged, you know, with a lot of, pro-life, you know, pregnancy center organizations that they point people, their clients to that true source of hope. Um, but again, I think some of the struggle would be, and, and I get to use worship a lot of times, you know, I've got a lot of pregnancy centers here recently, some pro-life organizations, even foster care adoption that are, you know, utilizing me to come in and do some worship nights, you know, some kind of being creative to, it may not be just a fundraising event, but it's planting seeds in the community by using music that may draw a different crowd in uh, to learn more about, you know, awareness and planting seeds for their organization in the event. So I've, I've loved that. Uh, just kind of thinking outside the box. I mean, I've been able to incorporate my musical talent, whatever, you know, into the fundraising event itself. Oh, cool. So, so during the fundraising event, it turns into a bit, it also turns into a worship time as well. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes oh, that's I, awesome. I, I tell some organizations, though, I'm like, OK, if you're wanting me to come and keynote and speak, I can't do a full worship concert. But I do. <laughs> I do sing. There's a couple of songs, especially a couple of songs I've written that um, specifically pertain to my story that kind of help enhance that. Um, so I, I'll actually incorporate, you know, worship music into into my testimony. Um but yeah, so, but I, I, again, the challenge is, man, just with the churches, churches will love for me to come and share my story, uh, my testimony, but, you know, I get, I get handcuffed a little bit. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but just don't get too, I guess the word's political on that side, right? Um, yeah, it seems unless, like unless, unless it's a sanctity of human life Sunday, you know? Oh, Okay. Yeah, it, it seems like when it comes to churches um, talking about abortion, I, I feel like they want they want to invite people to come in who've had an abortion, or they may not they may be pro-choice and they don't want to have that be a roadblock 
to them coming and joining that church community. However, at the same time, I feel like that's, you know, it's part of like, it's part of our core when it comes to, you know, as a believer in Jesus is that, um, you know, speaking up for the unborn and the value of life. And yeah, it, it just seems like, so on one hand, it's being treated like a roadblock to letting certain people um, experience and taste that church community. But on the other hand, it's, um, we're, we're not standing up for one of our core beliefs. Um, and, well, and, and it, yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's one, you know, on the flip side, that's one reason why I have, you know, uh, churches that bring me in to be kind of a, a soft approach, <laughs> you know, because the reality is my story, you know, it, it's going to challenge people. Uh, I hope, I hope it does. I mean, that's my prayer. Yeah. And I mean, I've had, I've, I've had a, uh, you know, I'll, they'll go nameless, but I had a, a young lady come up to me and say at, at a banquet, actually a fundraising banquet for a, a pro-life organization. They said, um, you know, my, my whole small group came here tonight, you know, really we came to hear your story because we've been in a debate on, you know, and most of us came tonight kind of like, well, we're, you know, we're pro-life, but with incest and rape, you know, we could, you know, maybe, you know, maybe be okay with that. And that's, that's where they came. But then after I shared my story, she actually came up to me in tears and she said, and she confessed that, that we came here kind of, you know, thinking it was okay, you know, in those circumstances. But after hearing your story, like, you know, we've been, um, what's the word I'm looking convicted, you know, that, that our stance may not be right. Um, and I, and I think, I think that there's pastors sometimes that bring me in, <laughs> you know, just to try to ruffle some, you know, uh, to combat that without having to go right to it from the pulpit. <laughs> Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Oh, that makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And also I feel like your story is taking on the most difficult part you know the part that people often will shrug off is like let's focus on the main you know out of convenience people are choosing abortion and how that's wrong and avoiding the um you know the 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 um the one percent or less than one percent when it comes to abortion because of uh rape and, and incest um and there, there was um oh boy i uh, i was watching youtube and there's this one person that was saying something to the effect of you know, when it, when it comes to someone being raped, you know, we should, we should, you know, instead of giving the death penalty to the child who is innocent, we should be giving that consequence and penalty to, to the rapist and, or, or better, you know, or, you know, the rapist, you know, maybe they whatever they might have should be used for child support. Um, that's something that I've been thinking about, but yeah, essentially they're, they, they should be receiving the consequence and the punishment, not the child who yeah. is, who is um who is you know being created during this time what are your thoughts on the punishment for a rapist like i know that's you know how, how do you look at that when it comes to like what do you think would be the way to respond to that scenario well i think we all have our opinions you know and uh you know no matter how i answer this question it's going to be well you know there's going to be on both sides but i think sure. the best way i can answer it is just, you know, being real and fresh to me as I've had people ask me, even be upset at times, like, 
you know, well, you know, do they ever capture the men that did that to your mom? You know, do you know who your father is? And I don't. Um, I've had, I didn't know my race or ethnicity. Uh, I still don't know any medical history and I'm 40 years old. I didn't know my race until I was 35. Uh, so five years ago, I had a pastor friend of mine actually for Christmas uh, purchase a DNA test like ancestry.com type thing. So okay. I did, I did that. And, um, you know, now I could probably take that DNA, uh, testing, at least sample, you know, a sample and go deeper, you know, pay a bunch of money and, and do all that. But man, my God has so like restored, you know, in my opinion, he, you know, he's taken what something, you know, the devil the, that was meant for evil and turned it for his good. And, for me personal, it's a personal story, right? I don't have to have, I've come to peace with that and I don't have to have those answers. So for me, um, you know, people are like, well, don't you want justice for your mom? And um, I feel like God has, has honored, honored that situation. And I think that, you know, I'm a firm believer that God, the punishment that those people need, he's, he's going to bring it swift if he hasn't already. You know, um, if that's the best way I can answer that, it's, it's, this was, yeah. this was, if I'm being honest, it's a hard one for me. Uh, you know, yeah, this is a hard one. Personally, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to pick it up. No, yeah. it's okay. I just, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have any desire to dig that up for me personally. Right. Yeah. I know, uh, I'm not trying to skate the question because you asked me, you know, in my flesh, I want them handled, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I know in my flesh as a man, uh, I don't know what I would do if I came to face with, you know, face to face with the rapist and my father, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. I, I, I can't answer that. Um, yeah. I hope that, you know, I, I firmly believe that no one is outside of, of, uh, of God restoring, you know, and bringing healing and all those things too, you know, I think we overcome by love, um, you know, and God, I mean, I've seen God, I have a ministry called broken, not dead brother. You know what I'm saying? Like even the broke, the broken of the broke, you know, I believe can find hope and healing and, um, you know, and you're not dead yet till you're gone, you know, to the heart stops beating and all that. So I, I don't know. I, I hope that, uh, they would find Jesus, man. That's my hope. I hope that whoever they were, whoever my father was, I hope he came to know the Lord. I hope he's repented of his ways and God's restored it. That, that's my, I guess that's my honest answer. Yeah. Finding Jesus can restore and heal even the most difficult and terrible situations. Um, that, that's hard to say, you know what I mean? Because I mean, it's, you know, you raped my mom, <laughs> you know, my hero, but you know, God is again, you know, he's, and this somebody, I mean, I used to say, like, I'll be honest, I used to say, man, if I could, if I could trade places with her, I would have done it in a heartbeat. But then I started thinking about that. Right. I mean, God orchestrated, even he allowed that evil to happen, but then, you know, look at what he's been able to do through that. And I'm not saying it was fair. I'm not saying I wish that she had to go through it. But the reality is the evil has happened, but then look at what God's doing. I mean, I'm sitting here talking to you, sharing my story. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't even be on this platform if it wouldn't have been for what had happened. Um, so, so tell me more about okay. Broken Not Dead. Tell me what's okay. what's the um, what's the mission or what do you what's what's that ministry built for? Well, 
um, where it is today, you know, I think ministry kind of evolves and, and, you know, as you go with what God's calling you to do, we've literally created a platform for broken people to share their stories. Um, so our mission is to bring hope and restoration to broken people. So we, we actually have a YouTube platform. Uh, we film, we do four film sessions a year, two in the fall, two in the spring. We film 10 people, produce the stories, and we release them out on, on our YouTube platform. Um, and then we also uh, collaborate with other organizations like a pregnancy center, for example, to host uh, Broken Not Dead events. So we use music and story to bring hope to, to broken people in a community. Um, that's the short, so, that's the short version. So the stories, the stories of well, like who, who's a candidate for being um, someone that might be a story, you know, that would be included. Uh, anybody that's been broken, brother. Um, okay. I, I mean, it's literally, I mean, what God's put on my heart and kind of the vision behind it. And then the you know, as, as God's brought people into the fold, it's, we're kind of creating a buffet, you know, like YouTube, you can create playlists and all these things. So, um, at first it started with, Hey, we just want to create a platform for people to share their story. Right. And then when they share that brings hope and, and can restore some things to broken people as they're watching. But now what, you know, something I didn't really foresee happening is this is a free resource because we have donors that, you know, invest and, and pay for the production. It's a free resource to organizations. So I've got pastors now that are, you know, that are showing these videos as sermon illustrations. Uh, we have pregnancy centers, you know, that let's say they have a client that comes in that's dealing with cancer as well as an unplanned pregnancy. Well, we have stories of people that overcome cancer, you know, like suicide, depression, um, you know, marriage uh, relationship struggles. So, you know, we're creating kind of topical stories, you know, just as God brings them to us. So some of them I've met through my travels, you know, across the country. We're actually getting ready to shoot season four. Uh, we've done three seasons of 10 stories each season uh, in September. And uh, this season I, so far, I've got three people flying in from Florida. I've got one flying in from Ohio. We have another flying in from Texas. Uh, oh, but awesome. those, those are all places that God's allowed me to speak in. And, you know, I've connected with people and they ask the same question you did. What, what's this broken, not dead stuff about? Right. I'm like, Hey, well, you know, we create this platform for people to share their stories. Like, could I share, or I know somebody that, that really needs to share. I had a pregnancy center that said, we've been praying for a platform for a couple of our ladies to share their stories because, you know, they just need to be told. And I'm like, well, Hey, <laughs> You know, we have this beautiful platform we'd love to share. So, yeah. So, it's When it comes to these stories needing to be told, mm -hmm. um, what part of their story would you say, um, like, are you capturing, let me, me, me back up. So are you capturing like where God worked through their story or, or how would you, how would you um, phrase the, uh, the need for it to be captured and shared? Yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, one, and I, and I think I know what you're at. Like, so we obviously God has to be, you know, that would be a prerequisite with the, the God has to be part of the story. Now, here's the thing. It may not be, they may be struggling to trust God right in this moment. They may be walking through that brokenness and whatever that is in their life. So like we have an interviewer that, that I bring in. And um, so it's like, Hey, what broke you? Right. So that could be one specific moment or that could be, 
you know, multiple things that have happened in life, mm -hmm. you know, but there's usually this one thing that, you know, kind of where everything else kind of snowballed on top of. And then it's like, well, why are you not dead yet? You know, like, why are you not dead today? If you've been broken mm -hmm. so much, why are you still here? And that's usually that opportunity where you're like, you know, I don't know why I'm here, you know, <laughs> uh, but ev evidently God has a plan and I, I don't know what it is yet. Or, you know, it's like, no, God had a plan for my life and I can tell you exactly what it is. Right. You know, like for me, that moment of, I know part of my, my purpose is to share my story, you know, that God, God, God has a story inside of me that, that I think, it, you know, it, it needs to be told, you know? So is the, is the point of having this collage of stories recorded, is it to provide encouragement to those who are going in a, who are going through a similar circumstance or, you know, for example, the woman who is um, thinking about abortion and she has cancer, is this story like meant to try and give her hope? Um, or just help her, you know, see how, yeah, I, I guess, how would you summarize someone seeing this video who might have a similar circumstance going on in their life? Yeah, well, absolutely. I think, <clears throat> I think there's some stories that are, I mean, it hits direct, right? I, I'll give you a, a real life example. I was leading worship. This is, we're doing this on a Monday. I was leading worship yesterday on a Sunday at a church in this little small town in Alabama. And I, I had this guy come up to me after the service and I could tell he was kind of reluctant to come up to me, but he came up and finally, and he said, uh, he's like, man, I didn't know that you're, you're the founder of broken, not dead. Right. And he's like, you got stories on, on YouTube. Right. And I'm like, yes, sir. And, and he's like, and he started crying and he said, well, this one man's story and he mentioned his name and he's like, I, that's my story. Like I, like I was a, I was a minister and, and my wife was unfaithful and, you know, the, the church actually fired me, you know, and he's like, and I felt so worthless, right. And purposeless and all these things. But I, I heard this man's story and, and I'm just telling you, man, it, it did something. And I wound up watching all of them, like all 22 of them that you have and like all the, you know, even though the other stories weren't my story, there was just so much hope and, you know, purpose that, that came and I'm, I'm crying by the time he's done. Cause I'm like, that's why we do this. Right. That that's why, that's why we have this platform. So I would say directly. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're somebody dealing with cancer or, or depression or whatever, but then there's just some stories that it's just universal. And I think hope you mentioned hope. Yeah. I think that's that key word. I mean, you know, whatever hope we can bring into somebody's life. I mean, you know, again, by just sharing testimonies, I think there's so much power in that, uh, that we don't tap into enough. And, you know, my heart is too, that, you know, I think again, the platform is it's okay to be broken. Right. I think yeah. especially in the church, but I mean, in the world for sure, but even church folk, you know, by, it's okay to be broken because brokenness broken is not a death sentence. It's just part of our story, right? Death mm -hmm. is death. So I think that, that too, I think has been, and, and I, and we've heard that from people that, man, you just remind, you know, this story just reminded me that it's still worth going on and um, you know, that God truly can work even in my mess, you know? Yeah. And one of some of the, the values that, 
um, my church um, holds or my church community holds, mm -hmm. one of the values is authenticity. So just mm -hmm. trying to be real more so than um, like having a veneer or a, or, a, right. or a fake front, trying to you know be authentic. And then another value that we that we hold is vulnerability. And, you know, by not trying to, you know, by essentially being able to be, you know, by sharing something that's going on, um, someone could judge, you know, judge that person who shares in that, you know, that shares that brokenness. And so I think there's value in being vulnerable and authentic as, mm -hmm. as that's, you know, sort of a way of saying this is what's really going on. And that's really hard to do. And it's very easy and tempting to not do those things. Um, and I feel like your yeah, you're, you're, you're describing those, those values that, um, yeah, it seems like you, yeah, in yeah. a different angle for, for yeah, coming up with the same result. Well, absolutely. And I, I, I see that like, so we, you know, our video production area that we have, we were in a partnership, there was a, a gracious church that, you know, came alongside of us and said, Hey, we'll donate 700 square feet just, you know, to have some space. And we renovated it. So we have a video production suite. And what I, I sit behind kind of a curtain and I'm praying and, and listening and processing. And then I'll add some input if I feel like it's needed. But I try to stay out of the way and just pray. And, and I think out of the 20, 24 stories that will, will air by the end of August, I think there's been maybe three that didn't break down in tears, you know, and, and cry. And, and that was something, I'll be honest with you, that I wasn't there's just like you said being vulnerable you know and almost fearful you know fearful but being vulnerable to just go all in and share it all I mean there, there's some people that's like you know have been speaking for a while and even you know has more of a national platform and they were like there's some stuff I shared in this hour that I have I've never shared before and mm. there's just healing you know that comes in that room and that's something that I it might be the most important thing that's happening, you know, in there, because then that, you know, again, we honor people's stories. We, you know, we check with them and make sure that they're okay with what's being sent out to the world and that kind of thing. But, but just the healing that happens from being, like you said, vulnerable, you know, to share, to share their heart. And, um, and there's been people that have been afraid to share, you know, and, it, and it's, we've kind of encouraged them like, Hey, listen, but the world needs to hear this, you know? And if you're not completely comfortable with it, then we won't share parts of that story, you know? Um, but yeah, so but I think it's just a beautiful thing. Um, I, I, I think that's how God meant for us to be. I think that can be in the church, but even in, in like the pregnancy center, right? That's the beauty of, listen, you can come here and we're going to love you with no judgment, right? That you, that you're, you're, you're worth it. Your baby's worth it. We love you no matter what. I think the church, you know, my heart for the church is, and I, I, it needs to be less of a country club for the put together and more of a hospital for the hurting, you know, and the sick. And I yeah. think that's how it was always meant to be. Yeah, one of one of my uh, well, probably my favorite verse is uh, James five sixteen, which mm -hmm. says, "Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed." Mm -hmm. And then it goes on, "The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working," and and so essentially it talks, you know, that first part talks about confessing sin to another person. Mm -hmm. And then it talks about the prayer of a righteous person has a great impact. And so um, I, I think by being vulnerable and, 
and sharing these hard stories. Um, in in the case of you know and needing to be healed, I feel like that's part of that. That's part of the process based on yeah James five sixteen. Um, and yeah. so healing is like the result of, right. of that Absolutely. experience. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I, and, you know, and I, and it's been, um, it's just now starting to kind of happen, but, you know, I've even had, like I said, mentioned before, uh, briefly, I I've had some pregnancy centers, you know, reach out and say, Hey, that, that's interesting what you're doing. You know, could, could we bring in, you know, like, could we bring some clients that would just, you know, we've been praying for a platform for them to share. I think that's a beautiful thing. You know, I, I think that we could broken, not dead could offer that, you know, and, and cause we're getting into even like some sponsorship type of things with episodes. And, and there's another level of for a pregnancy center to have some marketing, right. Uh, if they, if they sponsor that client story, then there's, you know, there's visibility for their donor platform you know, so I, I see it as being, you know, again, just looking at those things and trying to figure out how we can, and that's not only just for pregnancy centers, but, but, you know, since we're talking about pro-life world, uh, sure. you know, that's, that it's a really cool thing, you know, that it's a beautiful thing that I feel like we've been able to, to create, so. So, besides asking someone about well, what's one of your what's some of your favorite questions to to ask someone who you're interviewing about or or you said you bring in someone to interview. So like what are some of your favorite questions that get asked when someone's being interviewed to um, share their story? Um, what are some of the yeah, what what, what are some things you can think well, of when it comes to good, good questions? Those, those standard things, yeah, those standard things, like I said, the two big ones are what broke you, why are you not dead? You know, but okay. then, but it's it's just those pointed questions where, you know, that's why I bring in an interviewer, you know, she's a journalist, so she's used to doing this, you know, I'll bring her in and she's sitting behind the camera. So they're more having a, it's conversational, which I think is beautiful. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. you're just telling her your story, you know, uh, but she'll ask things, well, well, how did that make you feel? And it's like, uh, you know, like, I've never really thought about like, you're getting all up in my feelings now, right? <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to share my story. Right. But it, but then there's the, th those moments where, like you said, like you kind of dig in a little bit, um, you know, to be, you know, like, and, and I love, you know, if you were, and, and a lot of times for myself, like at the end, I'll be like, okay, so, you know, you're, you were dealing with that depression or, you know, there was a, even have some people that have attempted suicide and those type of things. So like, if you were looking in that camera and somebody watching this right now, you know, what I'm saying like they're they're right there where you were. What would you say to them, you know, to encourage them? And I, I love that because that gives that person that I always say it like this. You can't reach a broke if you ain't been broke. Right. I'm from Tennessee. So <laughs> got to throw the eight in there. But but, you know, nobody can reach them like they could. And, you know, you know, this video is powerful and it, you know, yeah. and we don't, we don't know where it's going to go, you know, who's going to view it. So I love those questions where it's like, okay, this is a moment for you to speak life, to speak truth, to bring hope, you know, what would you say, you know, and I, and I love those, I love those moments where we just give them a chance to minister actually, you know, even outside yeah. of the story. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of recording stories where you're essentially capturing that person's story and how it interacts with with um, with Jesus or with God's working through their life. And I feel like stories like that need to be captured because 
Right. Otherwise, how will they get shared or how will they get retold? Right. And there's a lot of value when it comes to um, just simply, you know, experiencing God and Jesus and then recording that that story so that it can be right. um, passed on to someone else that, so that someone else can find hope and encouragement. Right. And I think that's that's huge. Well, and even, even stories that have truly, you know, Jesus weaved in. Right. But even the practical side, too, you know, like, so how, how did you make it? You know, how did, how did you overcome? And, and, you know, not every story is the same and not everybody, you know, is going to deal with the same, but still just giving some encouragement, like, well, this is kind of what I did. You know, maybe it'll work for you. You know, it's uh, that kind of stuff, you know, like, man, like, our, you know, how did you, how did you find your faith? How did you come back to faith? <laughs> you know, cause there's been stories where I lost it completely. I wanted nothing to do with Jesus, nothing to do with, you know, religion, you know, or relationship with Christ, any of that stuff. Well, how, how did you find your way back? You know, so just, you know, like you said, I mean, that's just getting vulnerable. That's getting real. Um, and that's really our heart for this, you know, is and sharing like, um, you know, just real people, you know, I mean, I know we're all real, but, you know, moms and dads and students and grandparents and, you know what I'm saying? Like just stories from, you know, different races and different, <laughs> yeah, just that we can all, somebody can relate to somebody. You know, so when did you get started with broken? Uh, was he was I'm sorry, not uh, dead, broken, not, broken dead. not dead. And then when did you get started when it came to being like an event speaker um, <laughs> and helping with the fundraising work? That's funny because it all happened really the same time, the same year. Oh, okay. Um, because I was a youth pastor for and and worship leader on staff at churches for about 13 years. That was my degree was in youth ministry. Um, and then actually my, my adopted father uh, got, he was sick with Alzheimer's and I spent a year with him, my wife and three kids. We moved from Tampa, Florida, back to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I grew up and in, uh, in the nearby. And, uh, and he, he lived about a year and 14 days. Um, I wrote a book after he passed away about six months after he passed away, I released that. And I started working for a pregnancy center for three and a half years. So that okay. kind of, so that kind of opened my eyes to a little bit more of where my testimony, my story could be utilized. I was doing abstinence education in uh, about 33 schools. I think we had uh, about 12,000 students that I would, that I would talk to in the public school. Well, actually all schools, Christian, public, uh, private. Okay. And um, so in 2018, uh, I had ambassador speakers bureau in Franklin, Tennessee, pick me up as a national pro-life speaker, which was, I worked for three and a half years, you know, trying to, because most of the time speaking agencies bring you on because, you know, you're a high profile, uh, you know, national celebrity or be and best-selling author. And I wasn't any of those, but I had a story to share and I, I worked really yeah. hard for three and a half years to figure out, okay, how can I find a platform <laughs> to share my story? And uh, I just went after, you know, I, I website videos, all those things. And they finally gave me an opportunity in 2000, uh, January, end of January, beginning of February, 2018. Then I launched Broken Not Dead, um, March of 2018. I had somebody come and actually offer to pay for all of it. Uh, you know, there, there's a God, God's hand on things. And um, so, yeah, so the speaking thing started kind of alongside of Broken Not Dead. And, and what I said, Broken Not Dead kind of evolved from one man, right? like Stephen, then into, wait a minute, Broken Not Dead needs to be a platform 
not just for me, right, to share my story, but, you know, you're broken, not dead. You know, there, there's more broken, not dead people in the world. And so it's oh, yeah. more, it's less of a ministry and more of a movement, <laughs> you know, uh, I think. Um, so, yeah, so it all, it all happened right there in the same time frame. And honestly, what it was is <laughs> my wife and I, we kind of just, you know, had been praying for a lot, for a while, a couple of years about just making space for God to move. And honestly, if it was sacrifice, um, I, you know, I stepped away from the only job that I had income at <laughs> with the pregnancy center, which wasn't a ton of money. I mean, it was a blessing to have it, but I was traveling every weekend speaking, um, you know, even on Wednesday night speaking, I think the last year I did 75 events throughout the year on top of speaking five days a week in the schools, you know, just trying, you know, I would take anything and everything. It didn't matter how much they paid me. Uh, you know, I just, I knew I needed to tell my story. So um, like I said, 2018, we launched out kind of in faith and said, God, I know you're calling us to this. And, uh, you know, I went from four speaking engagements next year, seven and 15 and 27 and over 30 this year. <laughs> wow. So looking back at the very first time you gave your, your story at a, at an event in front of, in front of an audience, <laughs> what was that? What do you remember or recall from that first time being in front of people and sort of, um, yeah, sharing in large in front of a, an audience for the first time? Um, that's that's a two part, and I'll be quick. I think oh, take your time. The, the people first are driving while they listen to this, they'll, they'll be driving, good. commuting. Yeah. We got time. Yeah. The <laughs> first time, the first time that I ever shared my story, like you know, after I'm had met my mom, my birth mom. And, and it, so it wasn't even a pro-life engagement. I actually was asked to speak at a celebrate recovery. So a recovery program, a 12 step faith-based program. And, you know, normally they bring people in to speak and it's like, you have to, you know, follow a certain protocol and all these things. And they said, no, you got freedom to share. So I shared my story that night. And this was probably about six years before I actually started sharing my story you know, uh, so this is about 2009, 2010. I shared that night and I had a young African-American woman. She was probably about 26. I think she was. Um, she had, she heard my story and she came up to me and she was just weeping, just crying for like a good two, three minutes, couldn't speak. Mm -hmm. And then she hugged me and she finally was able to tell me, she's like, when I was 15 years old, my mom forced me to have an abortion. And from the moment that I, you know, I, I allowed her to make that decision for me, you know, I, I immediately regretted it. And she said, for the first time in 11 years, my chains have been broken. Mm. And I'm sitting there like, okay, I mean, it floored me. But then even after I had time to process, I was like, Lord, how could you take my story where I had a birth mom mentally challenged, raped by five men, she carried me homeless and chose life for me. How can you use that to break this woman's chains, you know, of guilt and shame? Because you would think that it would even pile more chains on, you know, like, because again, she chose life and I didn't. And when God, when I was like, okay, Lord, I, this is more powerful than I even imagined. And 
if you're gonna if you will give me a platform i don't care how big how small i'm gonna share that was kind of the deal i made with the lord then it was like six years later before i actually started walking <laughs> you know i wrote i wrote my book and uh, started walking in that you know it, it took some time because i was so like church you know like minister which i still am a minister but i was so church focused that i didn't even realize that I had a voice or a platform outside of that. Does that make sense? Like with, I'm saying like with the pro-life world, I was pro-life, but I didn't know that my story mattered. Yeah. In that yeah, world. It, it does it, today. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta, well, sometimes you, yeah, layers, you, know, you, you figure things out as you go and, but your story definitely has a huge impact in the pro-life yeah. world and in the Christian sphere, which is something right. very often one and the same. So God, so God, that, that small, to a lot of people, small moment, there was probably only five, six people in the room, <laughs> you know, and, and I was nervous as all get out, but I shared it. And then I saw God work, even though I probably stumbled all over my words and it wasn't put together. And then, like I said, it gave me a little confidence, right? That God's going to use this and I got to keep sharing but again, it took six years before, you know, I wrote my book and the book came out and I started sharing mostly in churches and things like that. I didn't really have a lot of pro-life uh, engagements, you know, on my own. I had done, I think, three fundraising events before I got picked up by the National Speaking Agency. And then after that, you know, we started, it started rolling. It was just kind of like, you know, recommendations and people, and, and I hear things like, and I, and please hear my heart, not a big head, conceited, humble, just so thankful. But what I hear is like, you're the best speaker we've ever had, <laughs> you know, like just stuff like that warms my heart because I know there's so many, so much, you know, better speakers than me. Trust me. I know that, but just how, you know, like you said, being vulnerable, being faithful and obedient to just show up and share and how God uses that to, to touch lives and impact lives. And then again, like just the raising money, you know, I'm hearing like, man, this is the most money we've ever raised, <laughs> you know, at our banquet. And I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm just thankful, man. You know what I'm saying? I just sit back in awe of how good God is and how faithful. And I think back to 2009, you know, and I said, Lord, if you'll give me a platform, if you just give me a platform, I'll share. And you know, it's just crazy. Um, you know, I'm having, I'm, ha I'm having to, I'm not a person that likes to say no to ministry and I'm having to start saying no to ministry to make room so I can actually see my family, you know, cause oh, wow. I'm, yeah. I'm traveling, I'm traveling so much now, you know, I'll have a couple events in the same week and sometimes I'm gone for two, two, two and a half weeks before I get to see my wife and kids. And, um, so I'm, ha we're having to strategically like plan our life around my speaking schedule, you know, um, which is just new for us. I mean, but I have a very supportive wife that loves me and, and she knows that, um, what God's called me to, and she's in agreement with that. Uh, she supports me a hundred percent or I wouldn't be going. And, uh, and of course we have conversations with my girls all the time. Like, you know, daddy loves you, you know, and, and but you know what God's called, you know, called me to, and, and, um, and we keep communication open, you know, with that, um, you know, when they're, it breaks my heart. And I know we're kind of, I kind of went in left field here, but, oh, you know, no, this is good. but I, um, 
you know, my youngest, I have a 14 year old, a 12 year old, and a nine year old. They're all girls, all daughters. Isabella is the oldest, Eliana and Cadence. And I'll tell you what broke my heart, man. If about, a, about a month ago, I'd come in from a longer stretch and I get ready to leave. I'm pulling out, going down the road, and my nine year old's running across the yard, waving at dad, you know, waving at me, literally running after my car. And I, man, I just, I lost it. I was like, you know, Lord, I'm so thankful I get to do what I get to do, but you know, I'd rather be home with my kids sometimes, you know, too, but I, I've got, I'm still going to be faithful, you know, and he gave that, he gives that time back, you know, um, so anyways, you said get vulnerable and real, so. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're living the example. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to throw you a, a new, a new angle, a new direction of question. Okay. So what was the last passage, um, that you recall in the Bible that you either read or heard from a, uh, a, a sermon or maybe that you even may have preached, but what's the last passage you recall? Second uh, Corinthians four, eight and nine. Um, okay. That's the, that's the passage that we find, you know, I may be, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I may be hard pressed on every side, you know, uh, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Uh, it's just, I mean, powerful, powerful word. And, uh, but I think even like before, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, well, what, how does that passage, uh, um, how does that passage impact you and what you're going through in life right now? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I even think about like just the craziness that we're experiencing, you know, in the pro-life world right now, you know, Roe v. Wade. I mean, I know it's going to come up and, you know, like just all these things that, okay, it's going to be hard pressed on every side, but you know what? Persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, but not mm -hmm. destroyed. You know, there's still, it's still worth the fight. You know, I think that's, that's kind of my mantra right now that no matter how bad life may seem, or, you know, I'm trying to pull up that scripture for you since you put me on the spot. Oh but, yeah. Uh, pull it up. Take your time. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's just, I think that it's, it's a battle cry, right? that no matter how, how tough life gets, it's still, it's still worth it, man. And, and he's got me, you know, personally got me, but yeah, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. And uh, I think, you know, I can look back at my own, I mean, my life, like God never abandoned me. You know, he's never forsaken me. I mean, yeah, I've been broke, but I'm not dead yet. <laughs> you know, I could, but I'll tell you one thing though, that, uh, I mean, you're going to get me preaching now, but that's good. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, you ask me that favorite, I mean, that's that scripture that pops out, but sometimes, you know, that that's kind of a, you know, one that a lot of people know, but five through seven, I love, and I kind of like, just kind of refound it, but it says, you that's, see, uh, first Corinthians, what was it again? It's a uh, second Corinthians, second, oh, second, second Corinthians four. And it, so verses five through nine, you know, I read eight and nine, but five okay. says, you see, we do not go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made that light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God, that it is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. In verse seven, we know 
are we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. You know, and that's just a reminder, man, that we, you know, that's what I, you know, that's where my power comes from. And I know that. Um, and I, you know, when I grace the stage, when I go to lead worship, I'm going to fumble, I'm going to, you know, stumble, I'm going to forget words, I'm going to play the wrong lyrics, but it's not for my glory, it's for his alone, you know, and it's not my power, but his power, and I, and I think for me, I've just seen that so evident, and I think some of that, like running a nonprofit, like, man, you talk about stretching faith, <laughs> you know, whenever I'm trying to feed my family on donor support, and, and uh, you know, I mean, we've been there, you know, we, there was a lot of sacrifice, especially early on, uh, you know, like I said, 2018, I gave up income and, you know, just chasing after what God's called me to do. I've had pastors look at me and tell me I was crazy and they get mad at me because they've offered me jobs, you know, and I wouldn't take the job because it's not what God called me to do. And, and he wouldn't give me the okay to take it, even though it would have been really comfortable to take it. Um, so anyways, man, that, that just means a lot to me. And, and I use a lot of times when I speak, it's something, especially the last year or two. Have you ever heard of Kent Sugi? No. It's K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. And that's the Japanese art form of mending broken pottery. Have you seen where they actually put the gold, like a bowl or a plate? They Oh, okay. Like the cracks are repaired with gold. Have you you've kind of seen some pictures maybe of that? It sounds no. familiar, but, and I, but I can, and I can imagine, yeah, filling the cracks with something precious. That seems like, uh, I well, can imagine what it would look like. Well, when you think about that, and I'm reading the scripture, you know, and that's, and I kind of, uh, that's where I was with the scripture was, let there be light in the darkness, right? As we have made this light shine in our hearts, and it goes on to verse seven, it says, we ourselves are like fragile clay can, jars containing this great treasure, and that Japanese art form is they don't throw away any of the broken pieces. They pick them all up. They mend them back. It has to be a master potter too. It has to be somebody that's really gifted in, you know, this art form and they mend it all back together with precious. They uh, take a lacquer, a glue, and they mix gold or platinum or silver in there and they repair it. So the cracks are not hidden. They're actually illuminated. So the object can still be used after it's been restored. It's actually worth more than it was in its original state. And then I think my favorite one is when you shine light on that object now, it literally reflects the light. And, you know, when I think about that is because of his power in us and he uses our brokenness in a lot, in a lot of our lives to reveal his light, you know, to say, I'm not going to hide my scars and hide my brokenness. I'm going to share it with the world to see. And that's, that's what I do. Um, now I'm from the country. I hope I don't offend anybody with this, but my crap has become my fertilizer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, it may not have been great walking through it. It wasn't fun at times, but I've seen God use it, you know, to restore and bring hope. And, uh, and, I, and, and the beautiful thing is, like, through our platform, Broken Not Dead, we're getting to see that, you know, fleshed out and shared from other people, too. There's, so, a, a song, there's a song at my church. I think someone at my church might have written it. It, it, it goes, one of the lyrics goes, um, 
where, where I am weak, God is strong. Or maybe I'm not sure if our church wrote it or someone else wrote it, but I'll put that at the end of this podcast is like the outro music. Yeah. Um, and essentially the the song essentially is like, you know, saying that even where you're broken, yeah, you know, God is completely uh, strong in that area, even mm-hmm. though you're, you know, missing in that area. Well, and I so think that's the beauty. That's, up with this. that's the beauty of that passage, right? That it this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not yeah. from not from us. You know, apart from Him, you know, we are weak. Apart from Him, He's the one that gives the power. And then we reverse eight and nine. You know, we are hard pressed on every side, but you know, not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed because of His power, right? So. So that'll that'll preach. To, when you when you found out what God wanted you to do, what was your experience to get to that point of knowing what God wanted you to do? Like, how did you arrive at knowing that? I think you're. I mean, specifically to like the speaking, like sharing like, my story, or like, did you uh, when it came to like what God wanted you to do? Did you you know um, was it like a series of like you know, small doors opening in order to open up bigger doors, or was it more of like praying and, you know, God just answering the prayer in some way? How did you go about knowing what God wanted you to do for your life? Well, I think, you know, I mentioned a little earlier that, you know, my wife and I had really kind of been praying together, you know, and separately for a couple of years, you know, she was praying for an RV to be provided for us to travel the country <laughs> and do my, my prayer wasn't that I, you know, I've got a, a wife and three girls. I was like, I don't know if I want to be stuck in a, you know, she was looking at buses that we can convert, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I love you all, but you know, so anyways, uh, but the Lord actually a funny thing. He provided a 40 foot RV for us in 2018, right? Whenever the speaking agency picked me up, and the, the nonprofit became a reality. So uh, anyways, he must listen to her better than, than me. But, but anyways, uh, for two years, man, we prayed about, and really it was like we started out, it was me, my wife, and my kids, you know, really, you know, me sharing my testimony and leading worship. But my daughters actually lead worship with me at times. You know, they're musically inclined. They play piano and sing and sing harmonies and stuff. So we, we were kind of doing this family really a missional family like evangelist um and but then the speaking agency picked me up which they had done that already but I started getting more engagements you know to speak and for me to make time for that I had to be near an airport uh you know it'd be hard to you know leave my family in Colorado and for me to fly somewhere to speak and they're stuck there by themselves you know what I'm saying like yeah. so it just kind of you know it evolved and you know, the, the national speaking platform was never really something that was on my radar, to be honest with you, you know, that wasn't where, but I think, you know, well, any, I mean, a lesson in life for anybody, but especially when you're doing things for the Lord is to be flexible, you know, um, to be open to his leading and not our own. And I think sometimes it's like, you know, God, Hey, go here. Okay. We go there. God says, okay, I'm, I'm kind of finished with that season. We need to go over here. Right. So that's kind of where we're at. And and I think it's the same thing with Broken Not Dead with the ministry. Um, What I thought it was going to be at the beginning was not what it is today, you know, because, again, like what's that old saying? I'm going to mess it up. But, you know, basically find where God is working and go, you know, like go there, you know, instead of I think when we try to do it on my own, 
it's when I've fallen flat on my face. You know, it's just I've seen God be too faithful to not trust him, you know? Yeah. And it does feel like when it comes to like the Christian sphere of where of where God works, I feel like the pro-life, you know, inner sphere within that Christian sphere, God is working just all the time. And there's so many fingerprints and stories of him just moving that forward and protecting people and providing that it's just like, it's almost like it's like the bullseye of his will, like the middle of his will uh, with what he protects and blesses. It's just so full of um, good grace. and Well, and just being being real, man, I mean, you know, my wife, I mean, you know, it was a, it was a little bit of a struggle, like with us, like not, not our marriage falling apart or anything like that, but you know, when we, again, 2018, when we, she prayed for an RV and we got this 40 foot RV and, you know, we're going to be traveling the country and, and doing ministry and going from place to place. And, you know, and that, and that happened for a little while. And then it was like, okay, well, the speaking thing is really starting to pick up. And, you know, we had to have a sit down conversation, you know, my wife and I and be like, okay, you know, if I do this, you know, if we get chased, you know, go down that road, then things are going to change a little bit are you okay with that? You know, and, and do I need to be doing this? And we had to get on our knees, you know, and pray, you know, ask the Lord, like, you know, is this a door you're opening that we need to run through? Um, and, and, you know, and, and I did, and again, I told you before, she's a hundred percent behind me and faithful. And, but she also, she puts me in my place sometimes. Like we just got back from a, a, a three day trip, you know, to a little, uh, like a lake lodge, you know, that had a pool and all. And she's like, you're leaving your phone at home. You're cutting off the, you know, <laughs> cause I mean, I'm, I'm a worker man. And, you know, and I don't have any employees right now from my nonprofit. I need to change that. But um, we're in a place where that's about to, to happen, but I, you know, I do a lot of it by myself. So it's like, I feel like I have to answer that text or I, I have to get that email or, you know what I'm saying? So it's the balance, you know, finding balance there. And I'm not the best at it. But uh, God's brought me a helpmate, you know, along that she's more of about rest and her love language is time, you know, like uh, your kids need more of your time. I need more of your time. So you got to slow down. (laughs) So anyways. Well, I got one more question. Okay. Um, When God answered your primarily your wife's prayer about about an RV. When you look back at that time, how, how does that make you feel? Or how do you how do you reflect on that answered prayer and that experience? Well, I think hands down that if God's in it, you know what I'm saying? I mean, don't don't tell me yeah. he can't don't don't tell me he can't provide. Don't tell me he won't do it. You know, I do I do believe it's gotta be in his will, you know, and I think and I think also too, it's it's the fervent prayers and you know, believing that God's gonna do it. You know, I truly believe that my wife, she meant what she prayed for, you know, and, uh, and I think, um, did you find confidence and, and going on that, you know, on that RV trip and RV time because of the answered prayer? Like, what, what was your experience when it came to like your desire and confidence, maybe switching from, I'm not sure to, you know, right. this is what God has called us well, to I, do. Absolutely. I mean, I would even say even up till now, you know, I, it's, it's been, I don't know. It's just crazy to me. I have people in my life today that, I mean, I've got a couple people that actually have made a career change, (laughs) you know, which is crazy to me because they looked at like what I, you know, what we did as a family, what I, you know, the steps that I took, like, man, you walked away from your only, like your only stable income. And, 
you know, went out on the road and like, I knew you back then and here you are today, you know, running, you know, you got this nonprofit and you're, you're speaking. And to me, it's like, I haven't arrived by any means, but I, but I, I have seen God work, you know, miraculously. And I think it really, you know, because I, I guess it's confidence that I, it's affirmation. That's the word. It's affirmation that I was doing. I've done exactly, hopefully what God has called me to do, you know, and sometimes it was kicking and screaming and, and asking him why, and Lord, is this, I've almost quit 20 times with speaking and, you know, running a nonprofit, but, you know, something inside of me and, you know, said, no, but he's been so faithful, you know, so why are you afraid now when you've seen him work, you know, provide an RV, pick speaking agency pick you up somebody paid for your nonprofit. we we were given a car one time you know one time because we were needing it we had a vehicle breakdown last summer and i had to be you know at four summer camps and we needed you know we had to rent a vehicle for a while but then god god's people showed up and we were able to pay cash for you know don't you know again i think it's just seeing the faithfulness of god and watching him work and then like you said man that you get you get spiritual confidence from that you know knowing that god he's like, i got you and i think didn't i think we read that right in that uh actually what we did right in verse in verse nine sorry i just had this thought that said through suffering our bodies continue to share in the death of christ no that's not it sorry um let's see it was second corinthians what was it uh it's four, it's four verse nine. Yeah, we are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. But I think it's that abandoned part. I love that word that, you know, God's never going to abandon you, you know, and it may not look exactly what you want it to look like, but God's always got you and he's always got your best interest at heart. Yeah, yeah God, God is uh, faithful and yeah. Um, yeah. Full yeah. of faith and he's there even you know in the hard times and all the times yeah and and i'll tell you you know my wife didn't always see what you know see what i saw you know um i'm more the visionary you know kind of looking 10 years down the road you know and and again trusting god like right from the past and i had to have some people in my life i mean this is some practical stuff i you know and i didn't do this alone you know what I'm saying? Like I had some, you know, some faithful people in my life that kind of had to give me a spiritual kick in the rear end, you know, like, would you please stop complaining about, you know, lack of donor support coming in or whatever? He's like, have you not, did you not remember what the Lord did for you, you know, back in 2018, you know what I'm saying? Like the, that have been with me for a little while. It's kind of, we need that accountability. We need that community. Yeah. Um, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ to set, to come alongside and kind of like, you know, I think about Moses, you know, parting the Red Sea, like he had to have some people hold his arms up, you know, and, I, and I'm thankful for people in my life that have done that. And I've even, yeah. I've even had people, you know, at pregnancy center fundraisers or something, you know, just come up to me and say, please don't ever stop. You know, that, that they've encouraged me to keep going, you know, affirmed me in that. So yeah, so yesterday um, at my church, they were, they were they were we were talking about faithfulness, and one of the comments after church was um, that God is um, he 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 essentially provides at the right time. You know, he doesn't show up. You know, like at the crossing of the Red Sea, he didn't cross the Red Sea 
you know, a day before they got there. They waited, you know, it, it was at the right time. It wasn't yeah. usually the 11th hour. hour. <laughs> it's right. It's right when you need it. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. that. And then, and part of, you know, having, having faith is being there when it happens more so than it being done beforehand. Like, right. You know, if, it, every, if everyone had an extra million dollars in the bank, you know, what kind of faithfulness would you need? Right. You know, well, would just rely on the money. And my, the my idea wife, is that if you, you know, when you, when you're, when times are tight and, you know, you need yeah. a car and you can't get your old car fixed. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on God, God can provide when you need it. It's, it's a, right. that's sort of a beauty of, yeah, it's, yeah. I, don't know, I feel like God shows up at the right time. <laughs> well, my, my wife has said this for like actually a couple of years now, you know, it's like when we get that little extra money or, you know, we've sold a car or something, you know, like, it's just like, oh man, you know, we're rich <laughs> and not really, but you know, but yeah. she's like, but what do we need it for? You know, it's, she's like, she really refers to it from manna from heaven. You know, it's like, okay, God's provided this manna. So, okay. What car is going to break now? You know? <laughs> so it's like, but that's just kind of how it, you know, how it's been for us. It's kind of, we laugh about it because it's like, okay, we've got this, but we know it's not necessarily for extra, you know, <laughs> it's provided for something, you know, whatever that may be. And uh, it might just be clothes for my kids, you know, or or something that we didn't know we were going to need. And, um, but I, but I love that, you know, like manna, you know, in in, uh, the promised land, right. Like that, that manna that God provided, but they got, they got tired of it. And, you know, they would have just held out (laughs) if they would have just held out just a little longer, you know, they were right there at the promised land, but you know, they, they started complaining and it, and I, I, a little extra thing, but it's just being content, you know, like um, not that you stop going, but just being thankful in the moment, you know, for what God has provided, even though you may desire more. Um, it's just learning to just be, be in his presence and just be, be thankful, <laughs> you know, for yeah. what he's doing. And I think that's been, that's been a lesson. I, I'm, I'm so honored that I, I feel like I understand a little more now. Um, you know, it's okay to desire things and want things, but don't let that, you know, also be faithful or be thankful for what you have now, you know? Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time. And I really appreciate this chance to talk to you and hear your story. Would mm-hmm. you um, say a, a prayer as we wrap things up and maybe include just uh, something about, you know, the pro-life and Christian audiences listening to to find you know to think of the manna that god's giving us and to not get tired of it and to not store it but just to enjoy it as god provides in a faithful way yeah i would love to uh dear heavenly father i thank you so much for uh this day god i thank you um literally for the day that i think sometimes we get caught up so much in the busy and the, the the hustle of life that we forget to just stop and say thank you uh, so, God, I thank you for anybody that may be on listening to this with the podcast or watching. Um, God, there, there's been some hope. We talked about that word today that that somebody can find in this moment, whatever it may be. Uh, just thank you for guiding our conversation. Uh, may, have, may have went some places that we didn't even see it happening. But, God, I, I thank you for that. And, and I and truly hope that there's restoration and and hope that has been uh, come from this platform but i also specifically pray for the pro-life movement 
um, God, that we don't grow weary, that we don't grow tired, that, you know, as, as this verse in Second uh, Corinthians 4, you know, 8 and 9, that yes, we are hard pressed, and yes, you know, persecuted in a lot of ways, uh, but God, we, you know, we don't give up because we know that you've got us, that you don't abandon us, that you don't forsake us, so God, for anybody that needs that today, God, I, I please receive it. God, I pray they receive it. And it literally gives them um, a renewed vision and a renewed uh, restore the fight within them uh, to say that it's still worth the fight, even no matter how dark it gets. Um, and we're going to keep fighting because life is worth fighting for. And that's what we're, we're called to do. Uh, God, thank you for um, my life. Thank you for the opportunity that I have. Uh, just to share my story. Thank you that I have a story. Uh, God, I, I want to say thank you for my mom, my hero, uh, that even despite her mental lack of mental uh, capabilities, she knew that life was worth fighting for. And, um, and God, I, I just love you. And I thank you. Um, um, yeah, I, it's, you're just good. You're so good. And, uh, and we love you. And we praise you in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time, Stephen. This was been this has been a this has been amazing to hear your story and just to see how God's working through you and how you're, yeah, being being part of the the broken team doing good things. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, I'm broken, but I'm thankful I'm not dead yet. So until I'm until I'm gone, I'm gonna keep, you know, doing what I can. Doing what awesome. I can.